Hey everybody, welcome back to our midweek Bible study. This is Pastor James. I know that it's been a couple of weeks since I've put a recording on, but um, I went on vacation with my family, and uh, I'm very grateful for some time away uh, to be able to spend with my kids and wife, and also we always take the week of the 4th off on our Wednesday services, so um, we are picking back up today in 2 Corinthians, and we will be starting chapter 5. So let's read together, as I'm pretty sure we can get through the whole chapter as long as we get started. So let's give it as much time as possible. Read with me verses 1 through 10 as we begin talking about our new bodies. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this and as a guarantee has given us his Holy Spirit. So we are always confident even though we know that as long as we live in these earthly bodies we are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Alright, so one of the first things that I want to draw your attention to is a reference that Paul makes of our bodies being a tent. And this is very important for you to understand as our bodies are considered temples of the Holy Spirit. And uh, you see many references to this in the New Testament that refers to our bodies as temples of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says in verse 4 that God has given us his Holy Spirit as a guarantee that we will have eternal life. And God has prepared us for that eternal life. Now our bodies are referred to as a tent. And this is probably because the original house of God or the original tabernacle uh, was a tent. you got to remember, you go all the way back to the first tabernacle that was constructed when Moses was receiving the instructions from God on Mount Sinai. He brings them down. He gives them to the people of Israel. And they begin constructing this portable tabernacle, this tent of meeting. And they construct all the articles of the temple so that they can worship the Lord and carry all these things with them as they go on their journey to the promised land. So this was very much a portable thing. And you have to remember that even after the people of Israel settled in the promised land, that they still used this tent as their place of worship to house the Ark of the Covenant and to house the Spirit of God as they worshipped Him. And that tent moved around um, throughout this entire time. And it wasn't until... King David wanted to build a permanent tabernacle, a, a, a solid building that, that stationary, that this changed. And God actually didn't let David do it. He let Solomon do it. So that's why it's called Solomon's Temple. 
But in the beginning, God always intended for this tabernacle, this thing that housed the presence of God, to be portable. And so if you look at Scripture, a lot of times they, uh, Paul and other writers refer to our bodies as tents, as these temporary shelters that are mobile, because our bodies are mobile, and they're temporary to house the very presence of God. And it is such a beautiful um, and, and magnificent analogy, um, you know, to understand that as people we are mobile, we're made to travel, but at the same time we're very temporary. Um, and so <clears throat> this this tabernacle tent was kind of a symbolism of this nomad mentality that God wanted the people of Israel to have in this world. Now, King David changed that whenever he made Jerusalem the capital and the place that he was going to build the temple and then Solomon solidified that as Solomon built the temple and so that kind of changed that mentality but God always wanted the people of Israel to kind of have this nomad mentality that no matter where they go that God could go with them and so whenever they built the permanent tabernacle that mentality changed significantly but in the New Testament as God makes our bodies the the temple or that tabernacle that tent that houses the holy spirit once again we are able to go wherever he sends us and yet still be in the presence of god which is a wonderful thing so god or or paul in this writing right here that we just read he's trying to communicate that we are not residents of this world we are not permanent um we're not settlers here. We're, this is not where we're staying. We should never get comfortable here, but rather we're aliens. We're foreigners, and everything about this world is temporary, even our bodies. And, and as people, something I've noticed over the years, as people, there's something in us that grows weary after we get older. Now, I'm 38 years old, and... I'm really beginning to notice my body is beginning to wear out. Uh, it's kind of one of those things, you know, you kind of, you begin to notice you're getting older, but I would say in the past couple years, I've really begun to notice this. I, I notice how my body just doesn't do the things that it used to, like cuts and scrapes just don't heal as fast as they did. My body just hurts randomly for no reason. I, I'm getting gray and white hairs. Uh, I, I'm, I'm getting wrinkles. Last summer, I noticed my vision changing when I was attending a conference and trying to read on the screen and then write down in my journal as I was charting back and forth. Um, so this year, this within the past few months, I've noticed my hearing beginning to change for the first time. And so it, it's kind of frustrating uh, as, as an individual who's 38 because I'm still pretty mobile. I would like to consider myself uh, fairly active, and, and I work a lot on you know doing physical things. But at the same time, I can feel my body changing. Now, I also minister to a lot of people who are a lot older than me. And so many of them have chronic illnesses that are just mostly associated with old age. And they're very frustrated. Like visiting with these people, they're so frustrated because their minds are still sharp they're still perfectly capable and aware of all these things but they want nothing more than to just get better to feel better to go back to what they would like to think is normal but sadly for so many of these people that's probably never going to happen because 
God has designed us to wear out. Um, we weren't designed to take up habitants here on this earth forever, but it was supposed to be a temporary thing. And as believers, we have to pass from this body and this world into eternity, which a lot of times we don't like to hear, but that's the way it is. Now, as when I was younger, I never looked forward to death, and I haven't reached the point of, of life yet where I'm looking forward to death, and I don't think it's necessarily a healthy thing whenever people begin to look forward to death. Uh, but I am beginning to understand how people could... Um, especially some of the elderly that I minister to, uh, I, I can understand how you get to the point in life where you begin to realize leaving this world and this body and stepping into eternity with Christ doesn't sound as bad as what it does whenever you're a young person who's healthy and you feel good and you got so many things in life to look forward to. Now, um, now as people, we... And Paul wrote about this. It's not that we want to die. It's not that we want our bodies to die. But we want our bodies to be swallowed up by life. And those are two very different things. And it might be hard to to split those that those concepts. But if you really think about it, you know, what sounds good to you? I mean, any time that you're sick, how awesome would it be that whenever you're sick, to, to just contemplate on how terrible you feel in that moment... Whenever you know that, according to what you believe in Christ, you're going to have a body one day that doesn't get sick anymore. Whenever you're hurting, you're in excruciating pain, you're going to have a body one day that does not have pain anymore. And whenever you're emotionally or mentally exhausted or hurt or broken, spiritually broken, like one day you're going to have a body that that's not going to happen to anymore. And so we don't want to die, but at the same time, we want eternal life. And as believers, we should be working to the point of we are wanting eternal life more than we want physical life. And it's not that we look forward to death. We just want eternal life because we begin to realize, hey, it sounds pretty good. And especially as this life begins to wear on us over the years, eternal life starts to look pretty good for a lot of people. Now, um, and to realize that when we step into eternity, we will be more alive than we ever thought our bodies could be. And it will be better than we ever imagined that it could be. And so just having the faith in Christ to know that eternity is something that is going to be so much better than any and everything that we could experience here on this earth. And it takes faith to do that. Now... The wonderful thing about this is that, that God has given us a guarantee of this eternal life. And Paul talks about that. Um, and think about what a guarantee means. You know, a guarantee is basically meaning that something is backed by the one in charge of it. And it's proof that you will receive what you have invested in or what you are counting on. Okay? So God has guaranteed us eternal life by giving us the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about that or how important that is, but it is very important because if our earthly bodies can be temples or tabernacles or tents of the Holy Spirit, how much more will our heavenly bodies be able to house or experience the very presence of God? Think about that for a moment. Because we have the Holy Spirit, as believers, we should have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. 
Um, and because of that, we can be confident. And this is not a confidence in ourselves, but it's a confidence in God to provide what he has promised as far as eternity goes. And you got to remember the Holy Spirit is a guarantee for this promise. So think about the fact that you know, Scripture says that no one can be in the presence of God. Like anyone who saw God or was in the presence, like basically people faint or, or they would die to be in the very presence of God. So we can have the Holy Spirit, the presence of God dwell within us in our earthly bodies, but in our heavenly bodies, we will be able to fully experience the very presence of God. The Holy Spirit is just a guarantee of what is to come. And so when we experience the feeling of the Holy Spirit, when we experience the empowering of the Holy Spirit in our lives that guides us and, and leads us and gives us strength to do all the things that God's called us to do, this is just a guarantee. It's just a front runner of what is to come. And so Paul makes sure to communicate that as long as we are in our earthly bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. So we can be filled with the Holy Spirit, and we can live according to the callings of God on our life, but at the same time, we will never truly be at home with the Lord. Now, it doesn't matter how devoted you are, or how holy you are, or how filled with the Holy Spirit that you are. As long as you dwell in this earthly, sinful body, you can never fully experience the presence of God as long as you dwell in this physical body. It is has to die so that you can be reborn into eternity and experience the full presence of God. And this is why Paul talks about believing and not by living by believing and not by seeing. We can't see the presence of God in our lives now because if we were to see it we would die because we're sinful, okay? So God allows us to have a taste of himself through the filling of the Holy Spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit. But we can't fully be in the presence of God because our tainted earthly body would condemn us to death. And this is why, in a sense, as we grow closer to God, we would inevitably look forward to death so that we can be with the Lord. Because as we grow closer to the Lord, we understand how amazing that is. And eventually, you know, we get to the point where we realize, man, if this is this good, if being with the Lord is this good, if being filled with the Spirit is this good, how much better is it going to be to actually be in the presence of God in eternity? And so we should always desire to grow closer to the Lord and be in His presence because heaven's our true home. God's our true Father. This earth is just a place that we're stuck here for a short amount of time. And this is not a place that we should be clinging to. This is more like a prison. We are, we are confined to a life of, of, of sinfulness and hurt and pain. And even though life can be very good and we enjoy life a lot, at the same time, there's a lot of hardships that come in living on this earth. This is more of a prison than, than a joy. But we have a home to look forward to that is perfect and is joyful and it is filled with the very presence of God, and we have the opportunity to be in that, and that's why we should look forward to it. Now, the goal of a true follower of Christ <clears throat> should be to please God. So whether we are in our earthly bodies or we pass from this life to the next, our desire should be to please God. The reason why, you might ask, is because we will all stand before God, and we will all give an account for what we have done in these old 
nasty, sinful, earthly bodies of ours. Both good and bad deeds will will receive what our bodies deserve. And that is somewhat intimidating. When you hear that, you know, that's intimidating. And, and <clears throat> it should give us inspiration to seek out God, to seek and beg Him to fill us with the Holy Spirit so that we can be pleasing to God because that should be our desire. All right? Well, let's read verses 10 through 21 and we'll keep on going. So, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere and I hope you know this too. We are are we commending ourselves to you again? No. We are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God, and if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Alright, so Paul continues on in this same theme about being held accountable in verse 11. You know, we were talking about that in verse 10 as we close up the last section. But there's this understanding that we're going to be held accountable. And uh, therefore, we have this fearful responsibility to try and persuade others to follow and trust in Jesus. <clears throat> now, we forget that a lot of times as Christians, that God has put a calling on our life to not only live for Him, but to tell others about Him. Now, in verses 11 and 12, Paul kind of changes gears a little bit. And once again, he gets back on this thing about um, defending his heart and his reasoning for wanting to be an apostle and minister to the Corinthians. And he claims once again to be genuine, like he's got a genuine heart, and he writes how they are commending themselves. <clears throat> they're, they're not commending themselves, I'm sorry, but giving reason for the people of Corinth to be proud of Paul and his companions and um, not to brag about having this amazing ministry. And that's what the, the people who were opposing Paul were bragging about their amazing ministries, how they were super apostles and how they were doing all this stuff. And Paul's basically just saying... Look, I love you guys. I love Jesus. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to be right with Jesus. One day we're going to stand before God in eternity, and I simply just want all of us to be ready to face him because we're going to be judged and held accountable for everything that we've done. Now, 
Paul never brags about what they've done. Um, you know, this book, we haven't read everything yet that Paul's about to say. He's going to give us a little bit of insight as to his ministry. Um, but it was never about bragging <clears throat> about what they had done. He, he only talks about what he wants for the, the Corinthian churches, what he wants for these people. He wants them to be in right standing with God. He wants them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He wants them to stand before Christ with a clear and pure heart so that they can receive a reward rather than punishment. Now, Paul even addresses the fact that <clears throat> what they do and what they say might seem crazy to people. But if it seems crazy, then they're just being crazy to glorify God. I mean, like, what they're doing is simply to glorify God. <clears throat> and if it seems logical and it makes sense, then basically they're doing this for the Corinthians' benefit. But whatever it is perceived as, Paul claims to be controlled by the love of Christ. I mean, he's continuing to put up with all of this mess and all these people and all of these accusations because he loves Jesus and he wants the Corinthians to love Jesus and to be in right standing for them. Now, the powerful statement in verse 14 that says, Because they believe that Christ died for every person, they also believe that they had all died to their old selves. And that's a very moving statement. <clears throat> when you think about how many people claim to be followers of Christ, um, you really have to ask the question, have they died to their old selves? And for a lot of people, that's just not true. A lot of people say they love Jesus, claim faith in Jesus, but have not died to their selves. Uh, some people have not died to themselves in any way. A lot of people have died to themselves in some ways, but not in all ways. There are very few people who have died to themselves completely. And as I'm reading this as a pastor today, you know, I struggle with this. And I look at my life <clears throat> and I look at um, the way that me and my wife and my family live. And, and I question, you know, sometimes it's hard to understand, have I truly died to myself? Have I truly died to my old self? Not because I'm necessarily living in sin, but because, you know, have I given up everything that I've wanted in order to see what Christ wants come to be? And I can't, I can't answer that because, you know, we have so many blessings and I, I'm, I'm very happy with life. You know, like I said, life can be hard because life can be very enjoyable. <clears throat> and I enjoy life. But it's very hard for us as believers to truly come to this understanding of <clears throat> I have completely died to myself so that I can live completely for Christ. Most people haven't come to that point. And, you know, it's even hard for a lot of us to really to say, yes, I have definitely died for Christ. You know, I struggle with that a little bit. I would like to think that I have, but at the same time, I look at my life and realize how much better my life is than a lot of people around the world, and it's really hard for me to say, have I truly given up everything so that Jesus could be glorified? Because I have a really good life, and so it's hard for me to say that. So these verses are very, very moving. Um, <clears throat> it's a very amazing thing to see Paul who really did die to himself, his old way of life, 
and completely change what he was doing to lift the name of Jesus and, and spread the word of Christ and the gospel around the world. <clears throat> so, the death of Christ was so that everyone could no longer live for themselves, but would live for Christ and to serve others. And And that's a good reminder for us that Jesus died so that we could die to ourselves and live for him and live for other people. Now verses 16 through 17 are very interesting because Paul confesses that at one time he and others had evaluated Christ from a human point of view. And, you know, just from the outside looking in, you know, to evaluate Christ from a human point of view is really to rob him of his deserved glory and admiration. Because... Paul and his companions know Christ very differently now. And because of that, they've stopped evaluating other people from a human point of view. You know, the the longer you are believing in Christ, the longer you're serving him, the more that God reveals himself to you, you really do begin to understand him in a totally new and different way. And that's hard to explain, but it's very true. And so... anyone who belongs to Christ should be a new person. You know, to understand that this old life is gone, a new life has begun, and and that should be the standard. You know, you look at Christ from a a human point of view, and and a lot of things just doesn't make sense. But if you truly submit yourself to Christ, and you begin to understand who He is, you understand why you should die to yourself, why that is important, because really, we as people do so much to inflict self-harm. Even though every instinct in our life is to protect and guard ourselves, every decision we make, technically, is a way that breaks down and destroys our bodies. So you look... um, I mean, obviously, people who are addicted to drugs and alcohol are are tearing their bodies apart. But at the same time, there are people who are overindulging in food, which we need food to survive. But at the same time, if you overindulge in food, it tears your body apart. So many people are struggling with, you know, stomach diseases and, and diabetes and, and health issues due to overeating. Or eating terrible foods rather than eating healthy foods. Well, you can look at it from a point of view of, of somebody who's an adrenaline junkie. Well, they like to do dangerous things because it makes them feel awesome in that moment. And so what they love to do, what gives them the excitement in life is actually dangerous. And so there are people who play sports and tear their bodies apart playing sports. And there are people who do stunts and ride skateboards and dirt bikes and they do all this stuff which tears their bodies apart there are people who love to work and they they do everything they can to to work and so they don't rest and they drive themselves to this point of their body just being exhausted and having heart attacks and strokes and so many things that we do in this life that we try to make ourselves better or make life easier and more convenient man we just we tear our bodies apart even from the perspective of having a child, <clears throat> when you think about as much as you love life and as much as you want to take care of yourself, even for a woman to want to have a child is one of the most dangerous and stressful things that you can put your body through. 
and yet women have children every day. We as people have a knack for destroying ourselves. So even if you love life and you love yourself, you have to understand that so many things that we do actually destroys ourselves. And, and, and so now let's look at all those things from a spiritual perspective. That as people, we, we love God, we believe in Christ, but so many of us have not died to ourselves because we want to <clears throat> still somewhat cling to the world and even though we say we love Jesus and we go to church and we tithe and we do all these things, yet we cling to sin and yet we destroy ourselves spiritually by clinging to sin and not dying to ourselves in so many different ways. Well, it should be a standard that all of us are reborn. <clears throat> While all Christians may look different and have different callings on their lives, all Christians are required to die to themselves and be reborn into new creations in Christ. So if you're listening to this today, you need to understand, it is an expectation that you die to yourself and are reborn. That's a very difficult thing to do and contemplate, but you can do it through the help and power of Christ and the Holy Spirit. And that understanding may seem very daunting to an unbeliever but in fact it is a gift from God because it rescues us from ourself this gift is this wonderful thing that Christ has called us into because Christ wants to heal us he wants to bring us out of the sinful world he wants to bring us out of this <clears throat> doomed and, and, and fading earth and out of these doomed and fading bodies and he wants to bring us into eternal life. And while it seems like a curse, or while it seems intimidating, like it can't be done, well, through Christ, all things are possible. Jesus came to do what no one else could do. And so you have to believe that Jesus accomplished what he said that he accomplished. So it seems intimidating, but in fact, it is very much a gift from God. And Jesus Christ has tasked us. He has called us. As believers to reconcile others to Jesus so this is not just about us being reconciled to God but he's also called us to be ambassadors okay <clears throat> we're supposed to be the one reaching out to the world <coughs> calling them back to Christ encouraging them to give their hearts to die to themselves and to be reborn just as Jesus helped us to do that the same message that we were given to believe in Christ is the same exact message that we're supposed to send out to the world to bring them into reconciliation as well. <clears throat> and because of this obligation or calling, as I like to say, we are considered ambassadors. God has called us to appeal to the world on his behalf. So as a believer, you should be speaking on behalf of Christ to others around you, telling them, come to God, come back to God, repent of your sins, be reborn, trust Jesus Christ, die to yourself, and be reborn. Now verse 21 is the last verse, and I just want to focus on it for a second because it is beautiful. It is probably one of the most amazing verses in all of Scripture. 
<clears throat> that really explains the message of the gospel and explains what Jesus did so that we could have eternal life. It says, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Now, that is the New Living Translation. That's the version that I always read from and teach from. I feel like it's one of the easiest translations to read, and it's very comparable to how we talk, and so I feel like people understand it a little better as we're reading it. But, I do feel like the New Living Translation has kind of uh, not changed the meaning of it by any means. I wouldn't say that, but I do think it kind of robs the poetic uh, and and the strong meaning of it in other verses. So I'm going to read it to you from the, the NIV, the New International Version, which in my opinion still has a little bit of that King James lingo to it. Um, <clears throat> so the NIV, the way the NIV is translated is still very similar to the King James. It just doesn't have that old English style to it. So this is the NIV, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, understand this today. God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin. Not to to just take our sin, but to be sin for us. So that in Him, we might become, not we might become righteous, but we might become the righteousness of God. And so, as we close out this chapter today... You need to understand that Jesus was sinless. And even though he was sinless, he became sin. He became all sin for all of us. He took our sin upon himself and he became that sin and absorbed and took the very punishment of our sin so that you and I could not just become righteous, but so that you and I could become the righteousness of God. That is so important. It's not just a matter of what you can accomplish and how you can become righteous in your life with Christ. No, you are an ambassador of Christ. You are a representative of Christ. You are supposed to represent the righteousness of God. And so there is no amount of righteousness that you can attain or accomplish in order to exemplify the righteousness of God. No, you cannot do it. But you can die to yourself. You can cry out in the name of Jesus And you can beg God to fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit. And as God fills you with the Holy Spirit, as your life is emptied out to make room so that the Holy Spirit can come and dwell inside of you, it gives you the ability to become the righteousness of God. You can represent that righteousness. You can be a visual image of that righteousness of God to the world. So what does God want from you today? He wants you to become His righteousness. 
He doesn't want you to become righteous. He wants you to become His righteousness. He wants you to die to your old self. He wants you to be reborn. He wants you to be an ambassador. He wants you to plead with others on His behalf, reconciling them to God with the same message of salvation that you received yourself. And we will be held accountable for whether or not we do all those things. And you have to answer today, are you doing that? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we just want to say thank you so much for this day, for your word, and for everything you've given us and blessed us with. I pray that you'd speak into our hearts and lives. Prepare us and shape us and mold us to die to ourselves, to receive you fully, to be filled with your Holy Spirit, empowered by your Holy Spirit, Help us to become your righteousness. Help us to be your ambassadors. Fill us with the words of the gospel so that we can present them to others and reconcile others to you. We love you today. We thank you and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in for another week. It's great to be back with you. We hope that you will join us on campus this weekend. If not, catch us on Facebook, YouTube, or the podcast. As always, we love you. We're praying for you. Hope you have a great week.